Well, look at that. Here we are again. Welcome to LatinXYC, where we discuss all things related to U.S. politics from a Latino, Latina, Latinx perspective. Yes. My name is Clemencia Herrera, founder of Moira Studio, an ad agency that specializes in political advertising for Latinos. And I am Cecilia del Cid, environmental and social justice practitioner, Latin American immigrant, and a community weaver working in communications. Hi, Ceci. ¿Cómo estás, Clemencia? Besito. <laughs> Besito. All right, guys. So once again, I'm going to start with this disclaimer. Cualquier parecido con la realidad es Pura, Pura coincidencia. coincidencia. Any similarity to actual persons living or dead or actual events is purely coincidental. We'll be talking about many of our experiences, but won't be naming anyone because we just want to focus on the topic. Absolutely. All right. So continuing from episode one, we are not your political booty call. No, we're not. And if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend that you go back to your list and do it so it what we're going to be talking about today is going to make more sense. Yes. Um, here are the other two reasons why we Latinos are staying in this political booty call. Tell me, what is the reason number three? Reason number three is because we want a serious relationship. Hmm. I mean, maybe not exclusive, but hey, you know, at least <laughs> call me during regular hours or, you know, bring me some flowers or... Hey. Well, you know, I think from the first conversation, I said that my take on relationships of any time is uh, I strive for I strive for reciprocity, right? For partnership, to be in, in right relationship, to be equitable. And what you're saying is true, right? How do we think that we're in, in right relationship? But bring me some flowers, give me some time. So we we want the person to spend the resources in us, right? So we as Latinos want this relationship to spend some. You know, we want to see some resources being spent in our community. Like, you know, I was thinking, like, show me the money. Like, muéstrame la platica, el yuyo, la lana, donde está el dinero. Like, spend some money and some time on me, right? That's right. And as I was thinking about why we stay in this relationship politically with the parties that you know, that are not spending this money on us or that are spending the money on us. I was I was looking for some examples. And it, it led me to think two things. It led me to think that this system in the United States with the Electoral College might be a little different and some states receive more money than other states in general. So maybe some communities yeah. in other states that are not like my state who tends to be like not a swing state, maybe receive more resources. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like, maybe it's a process of the how the system is set up, but then I was like, I wanna see how people in those swimming states might be spending some money. And I found some interesting information. Tell me. Um, you know, like I was looking at Arizona with this last electoral campaign, like this last election was really highlighted and like people were paying a lot of attention. And I found out that it's in a state that has a quarter of the population that speaks Spanish, right? So they identify as Hispanic. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And one party is spent in one area, one party, one billion talking to white persuadable voters and less than 24 million talking to Latinos for outside organizations. That's definitely not 25% of one billion. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, huh. 
So that's one party, right? And then I didn't find the numbers for like the whole state, but I found numbers for like a city in Arizona mm -hmm. and the difference between the two parties. Right. And it says that one party has spent 1.25 million and the other one has spent about 920,000, you know, 930,000, 130,000, yes. And the spending ramped up from June. So that spending is only from like June to like mm -hmm. November. Like what you were saying last week too, like how little time. When those booty calls need to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, so I was like, so there's this difference between how much money is being spending us between like within one party, between one party targeting different constituency groups and the difference between the two parties. Yeah, and you know what? There's absolutely nowhere to hide because not only the spending is public, but right now in advertising, especially digital, we can get so hyper-targeted. We know exactly who we're talking to, what their interests are, what language they speak. It's really, really easy to reach very specific audiences. So it's really, really easy to reach Latinos through digital ways and TV. So why can't there be hyper-targeting to Latinos like it's done with white Americans? I mean, a white American in Iowa has very different challenges and needs than a white American in Florida or in Massachusetts. So guess what? It's the same with Latinos, you know? There's so many different levels of intersectionality depending on the location, the cultural background, ethnicity, how long they've been in the country, income level, just so many factors. And you know what? Those are just as many levels as the white Americans. So why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult reach to Latinos? And I have to say, I think there has been some, some improvements, mm -hmm. right? I think that for the first time looking at the information and in this campaign in like the Southwest, I found in particularly a candidate before the Democratic Party selected uh, a candidate there was one candidate in the primaries who had a big strategy to target Latinos. And I found mm -hmm. that they were doing multi-layer, multi-pronged approach, reaching Latino communities in particular locations, thinking about the accent of the, the communities that live in those locations. So, you know, an Spanish accent or a Colombian accent or a Mexican accent are not the same. Yeah. Like using music or like cultural points of reference that relate, that are much more like tailored to that community. I think also... Latinos were creating the information for other Latinos. Mm -hmm. And it was like also multi-generational, you know, you were, they were using TV ads, they were using radio, they were using texting. So I think there has been some improvements, but tell me, you're the one who knows if this is happening or not. Is, is it improving a little bit? Is not improving? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen an increase in, in advertising expenditure for Latinos. And this is great. I mean, at the agency last year, we did work on a lot more campaigns for Latinx community. Um, it's a big change. I mean, I, I remember back in the day when we were targeting a district that had a majority Latino populations, we just basically translated the English ad and then call it a day, you know? No. <laughs> it, but now I see that, you know, this is part of a bigger strategy and I see a lot more interest in creating a specific, you know, voice and tone and strategy and creating a separate campaign just for Latinx. Uh, not just translating it, but making it something that's cultural appropriate and addressing their specific issues. 
you know, like for example, we worked on the census campaign last year and um, it was really refreshing actually because they really pushed us to develop content that was exclusively for Latinx audiences and specifically you know, immigrant audiences uh, to reach out to all of them. However, I don't want to think that this trend happened last year just because we were trying to vote Trump out or, you know, because of DACA or because of immigration reform or some other short term reason. Um, I'd love to see an upward trend, you know, next year and in the next presidential election and in six years and 10 years, you know. Yes. I just feel like we need to keep engaging more and more and not just during the election time, but all the time. Absolutely. And I think once again, just thinking about like this, like, you know, when we were talking this correlation of like, why we stay in this booty call relationship. I think maybe there is this misconception that we just don't want it, that we won't show up to the polls, that we will not show up to mm. vote. Yeah, I heard that. And last time you mentioned to me that we were the ethnic group that was the least registered to vote, like the people in our group were the least registered to vote. And I was like, really? Yeah, we have the lowest voter turnout in all ethnic groups. It's so sad. So I was just like, oh. And once again, like then I was like, I need to find out more because I don't understand it. Why is this happening, right? Mm. And you're right. Historically, we have turned out to vote less than 50%. Mm. So it's a lot less than all the other groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you are saying. But this last time, that was not the case. Yeah. Right. We, our numbers are finally equitable with like white groups and mm. African-American block. So it said that 60% of the 32 million eligible Latinx voters came to vote. Yeah, there was a lot of engagement. There was strong engagement because, yes. you know, the Democrats really needed to get Trump out. Yeah. So that's the thing, you know, when they call us, we respond. And that's the thing, because the question is, do the parties care about us? You know, do they want us to vote? And when they do, we actually turn out. It's important to actually keep the engagement up. You know, Latinos will be the, the a fourth of the population in 2030. So there is much work to do in engaging the community. Absolutely. But, you know, if you look at just raw numbers, like 8 million la more Latinos showed up to vote mm -hmm. for 2020. And if we think that the popular vote, the difference in popular vote between the two candidates was 7 million votes, that's kind of like a very similar number. And I'm not saying that all those extra votes were you know, Latino, Latinx votes. But it's a, it's a close, it's an interesting number to look at. Yep. And I don't think any party can afford to underestimate or ignore the Latino voters from now on. Oh, no, no. Republicans have been really good at reaching out to Latinos historically. I mean, George W. Bush won an estimated 39% of the Latino vote in 2004. And Trump got 36%. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 pretty good, good numbers. The thing about the, the number you say about Bush, that was the last time the Republican Party won the popular vote. Mm. So that's kind of an interesting, like, what was happening at that particular moment. Mm -hmm. But I think that, yes, the Republican Party historically, I think, has kept about a third, 30-something to 35% of, like, you know, the Latino vote. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that should call attention, right? So, like, 
Yeah, it's definitely not gonna win you the presidency, but it's definitely gonna put a dent in your adversary. But like, that's the thing is like, if we're showing up, if we have 32 million Latinos and you have 60% of like, less than 50% of that number, not that much. But if we become this huge population and you increase by five, 10%, those numbers begin to be significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. tell me like, what happens, you know, when November comes again and the elections pass? and the communications dried out. Are we getting ignored again? Like right now, what's happening right now? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that, that is actually something that we'll find out. Um, but you know, there are different ways to do it in a healthy way and we'll just keep talking about how we can do this. But let's get to the fourth reason. Fourth reason. Right. So the fourth reason to stay in a booty call is to get over somebody else. Ooh, un clavo saca otro clavo. Un clavo saca otro clavo. You know what I think about that? It just makes a hole bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I never understood that. I was like, why would you like jam it in there? <laughs> like I never understand it. Yeah. So for our non-Spanish speakers, un clavo saca otro clavo means one nail takes another nail out. Yes. And says it just says that it just makes the hole bigger. Makes no sense. It just makes it worse. <laughs> I think so. But at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to get somebody over somebody else, you get your rebound, right? So, yes. you know, there are so many Latin Americans right now that are jaded by what has happened in their own countries where, you know, Democracy has broken down in many Latin American countries because of fascism, communism, you know, authoritarian regimes, corruption. You know, there's just like so much out there that, you know, people are kind of just like, wow, I'm going to come to the cradle of democracy and just join this uh, democracy in which my voice is going to be heard, in which I'm going to count, my vote is going to count, not like, you know, back in our countries that we voted and then they actually do steal the votes, do buy the votes, they actually do stuff ballots with fake votes, like, you know, I'm not going to start getting into specifics, but, you know, people are very jaded and they just really yes. are desperate to join a real democracy. I think we definitely want to participate and we definitely want to get involved. And if we come from places where we have experienced dictatorship, when we have experienced oppression, um, breakdown of the, you know, government apparatus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the United States has perpetuated, not just across Latin America, but across the world, this this idea, this, this image of like, as you said, the cradle of democracy. Yeah. And I would even say that either you are rushing to participate and running like, yes, now my vote is going to count, one person, one vote. Yeah. But then also when you look at how the system works, I've heard a lot of Latinos here and I myself for a while didn't understand like the electoral college, which I mentioned before. And it's like some people be like, I won't vote because it actually doesn't count. Yeah, I've heard that too. And I think that, you know, I'm being like, well, you know, at the end, my state is blue or red or and my vote doesn't count. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's either we want to participate in democracy or we're just like, it's a lie or like it's fake. This is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But as we are trying to get like over certain things, so we're trying to get over our past experiences or we also, I think, want to represent. Personally, I feel like I was in the middle of a move 
when the elections were approaching and I made a specific decision about like, I am not going to request a mail-in ballot because I'm gonna be in between two places and I'm gonna make sure I go to vote early. And it was a privilege that I could afford to go to vote in person in the middle of a pandemic. But I was like, I cannot afford not to vote. Yeah. No, I mean, I got a mail-in ballot. I mailed mine in, but here in Massachusetts, you could track your vote. Yeah. So you could go online and see where it went, when it was received and all of that, so. Yes, and I would have done the same. It was the wisest thing to do, but I was, I didn't have an address for them where to mail it. I know I was going to be moving mm. and the, the dates just weren't aligning when I had to return and when I had to inform them. So I made that decision, but like, I felt like I have to vote. I have many members in my community that are in the process of being permanent residents or having other status or having been students like that could not vote that definitely leave the consequences of any administration's decisions and i also felt like that like right we wanna like participate on behalf of others oh yeah yeah i actually hear that a lot especially um people that have been naturalized and they have family that hasn't. So they say, I'm going to vote for those that can't, you know, that can't vote. So it is a very powerful thing. Yes. You know, if you actually appreciate it and you, and you know how powerful voting is. But also, you know, when we think about this theory, like if we're in the rebound, if someone disappoints us, another thing I think that would apply for us would be like, when we get broken promises. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when a party offers us something, right? So once again, it re might remind us a little bit of our home country's histories when the politicians, you know, populists, demagogues, like they just offer stuff and nothing happens. And then you come here, you're like, oh, here, this is going to happen. This person, these are their platforms. These are the things they say they were going to happen for us and our community. And not just the immigrant community, but I think there has been broken promises from every side. Oh, yeah. Sad trombone. I would say one example clearly is the, the COVID, the pandemic. And I think for the Latino community, I was reading an article where it says that in Lawrence Mass, where 82% of the population is Latino, um, just 2% of the Latino residents have received at least one dose of the vaccine, compared to 47 of the white residents who make up 12% of the town's population. Like I was like, my eyes open wide. Oh my God, yeah. I actually read an article a couple of weeks ago about the percentages of white Americans versus African-Americans and Latinos that have gotten vaccinated, the numbers are so, so sad. It's just a slight percentage of Latinos have gotten vaccinated versus, you know, we're talking about 70, 80% of eligible people in like white Americans in a certain state and like 10, 8% of Latinos is so, so sad it was heartbreaking to me heartbreaking and it's clear it's been documented that african-american communities latino communities, communities of color working communities were like overburdened mm -hmm. yeah. with, with covid like we have jobs that require that we cannot do from home right like we're frontline workers we are your farm workers yeah. we are your care providers we are your drivers and uber and uber eats like your shoppers and yeah all these things and like we have these jobs that kept things going for everyone who could afford to stay at home, who had the privilege to stay at home. Yeah, it's no secret, guys. It's no secret. You know that when you go to a restaurant, a hotel, when you get into an Uber, like you said, when you get Uber Eats, you know, when you go any place of leisure, any kind of 
enjoyable activity or product, there is a Latino cooking, cleaning, taking care of us. You know, they're always there. So yes, why? Why aren't we taking care of them? You know, I I go everywhere and and I'm sure you know about this, Ceci. Yes. I call it the Latino connection that, <laughs> you know, wherever we go, you know, we see Latinos cleaning, cooking and all of that. I love connecting with them and talking with them and hearing their stories. These people are amazing. Yes. They they're just have these stories of resilience and fighting and heartbreak, you know, separation. And there's just like so many stories and I love these people. These people are amazing. They deserve better. They deserve better. Yes. We deserve, our communities deserve better. You know, another broken promise I would say is, which thank God it got passed, but like voting for the relief. And I said it passed without not one Republican vote, mm -hmm. zero Republican vote. Mm, yeah. Even though a large amount, like a large percentage, I think at least 63% of their like lower income constituents approved of the legislation like this was legislation that was going to benefit yeah and the ironic thing was like some legislatures even though they voted they did not vote for it then they started taking credit like oh yeah this is going to help us and it's going to improve that those are broken promises yeah. and what happens when someone breaks your promise and breaks your heart yeah i mean like i don't know if you i'm sure you watched a lot of political ads but like why do you think that a bunch of political ads that go against uh, a certain candidate says he's not working for you, he's not working or she is not working for you, they're not working for you? Why do you think that is? Because it's just broken promises over and over again. Yeah, that means that those voters, I would say that those Republican voters that did not get representation are up for grabs. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying whenever the party that we Latinos usually support in majority, like the Democratic Party, when they don't take care of us, we are open for grabs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I would definitely dare to say that Latinos are swing voters, you know, because we tend to vote to I mean, there are certain Latinos, of course, that they're just like, you know, bleeding heart liberals or bleeding heart conservatives. But, you know, there's a good majority that vote for the candidates that they think they're going to help their cause. Because, I mean, I think in certain areas of the country, at the end of the day, some of the issues that Latinos are going to vote for are to cover some basic needs like healthcare, fair pay, discrimination, fair housing, education. When you don't have your basic needs covered, it's very difficult to listen to candidates that bicker about the eternal issues that the left and right are always arguing about, like gun control and, and border security and LGBTQ rights or even women's rights. I mean, of course, passing legislation about these issues is important, but they almost become a nice to have when you are jobless, when you're hungry, or when you're sick and you don't have any healthcare. We're just basically asking for basic things covered. Wages, healthcare, equality. You know, in short, we're just up for grabs. You know, come and get us. I think that definitely our communities have been like, neglected, like, you know, put it on the back burner, booty called when necessary for so long that we are still voting for the human rights issues yeah. of like, you know, health, education, 
basic income or like a living income, a dignified income. We are voting for the right to have a pathway for immigration. If you know, we contribute abundantly to the economy of this country. Even undocumented people do pay taxes. And when we have candidates who cover even a slight amount of those issues, we can we can swing. Yeah, we can abandon our block and go. And I think some of those issues are also relevant to where we are in the United States. Imagine if you live in a place that has an environmental injustice happening, right? A contamination, and you yeah. might have a candidate who offers you a solution to that very localized problem or situation, you will vote. Exactly. And that's happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You will vote for that candidate, even if it's not the party that you traditionally have voted for. Yeah. So in short, we're up for grabs, guys. Come and get us. Come and give us a call. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> On regular hours, please. Regular hours, not at 3 a.m. Be in right <laughs> relationship. Listen to us. Like, let's have a communication. Ask me what my favorite color is. Exactly. What kind of flowers do I like? Take me to my favorite Exactly. Recipes. Yes. So you guys heard all these uh, <laughs> relationship issues that we're having. And for the life of this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into how Latinx and U.S. politics can have a healthier relationship And, you know, it is a two-way street. It is. So we'll be talking about issues from both sides because we also have some work to do ourselves. We do. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and we do. We have to really think, we have to organize ourselves and we have to really think about what our priorities are as yeah. community. There's some internal work that we need to do. Absolutely. Personal work, guys. Yeah. So in this next episode, we'll start with one of the key foundational challenges that we face externally and internally and that is systemic assimilation. Yes. And voting for the American dream. Or? Um, so, <laughs> very interesting. I'm really excited to dive into this. And uh, so... Join us next time. Yeah, join us next time. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. We are definitely very much enjoying making it for you. Yes. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Please feel free to contact me at clem, C-L-E-M, at latinxyzpod.com. And if you like us, subscribe, share, and rate it. Yes, please share with your friends. We'd love to share all of this. Send us some comments. Yeah, spill the tea to everyone. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. See you soon, Clemencia. Bye, Ceci. Besitos. Besitos. <laughs>